This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello. Hello. Anyone around here speak basketball? What's up, everybody? This is the Confederacy of Dunks Basketball, Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Freddie Rivas. And who, sir, uh, very happily on the other side are you? I'm your producer, Matt Duncan. Fred, this is our first pod since the Nick Nurse firing. And before, I know we're going to get into a bit of that, but I just want to pour one out for you because... If you don't follow Fred on Twitter, after every game that the Raptors win, you find some kind of gif to show Nick Nurse playing guitar after he's celebrating that win. And now that's over. And you've got to move on. You've got to find something else with the new coach, whoever that may be. And yeah, no, it's uh, it's a rough time for me. Um, <laughs> I think like uh, adapting, you know, that's, that's what sports are all about. I got to figure out, I mean, you know, uh, I'm still saying the Vision Six Nine thing, right? So, <laughs> at the beginning of next, uh, uh, you know, next season, I'm gonna have to have a new tagline. Like, yeah, there's a lot of big expectations. So it's gonna be a big summer for me. I know? just, I hope that the next coach has like a little bit more challenge with their hobby. Like, I, I hope it's like Becky Hammond and she plays the oboe or something, and you have to find, yeah, yeah, no, oboe gifs. <laughs> the new coach plays the oboe as well. Um. But yeah, we are uh, we are with Raptors Republic. We are NBA slash Raptors Pod. I think in the off season we're going to be starting with the NBA and getting to the Raptors. Uh, and um, yeah, we got comedians, performers, analysts, uh, all sorts of people, and two returning guests today. Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, I don't know the number of times he's done this pod, but uh, it's it's a, it's a solid a handful. Yeah. Um, yeah, handful. Uh, a handful is that wrong? <laughs> well, probably. I don't know. Both hands and feet. Yeah, fair enough. No, <laughs> I don't know how to count. That's 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 what we're learning. Um, but uh, yeah, he's a, a hilarious comedian, amazing improviser, uh, great writer, uh, and he, um, you know, he, he's got it all going. He's he's doing his TikTok thing. Uh, he's doing Twitch. Uh, one of the biggest Leafs fans I know. Uh, his last name is is. Pretty close to my last name. Like, you know, there's a lot of similarities there. Give it up as loud as you can, even if you're at home alone, for Philippe Dimas. Oh, oh see? Hey, I have a little fake out over there. Yeah, yeah. Just a little foreshadow. I, I thought you were talking about Alan. Boy, I do. Like, totally. You don't, know how to, you don't know how to count, and I don't know how to listen. 
Yeah, you know what? We're Good start to the off season. A lot's going on right now. I'm I'm rattled with the nurse shit. Uh, we just won some Matt's tripping balls. I'm sure. Um, Philippe, what's up? Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. It's always a blast to be here. Um, let's uh, let's bring on guest number two. He's done the podcast only once before. Uh, no, he he's done the podcast a million times. Um, Hands and feet amount. Yeah. Yeah, hands and feet amount. Uh, one, one of the, the sorry, you know what? Not one of. I, I, w- I will say, yeah, the best basketball player I am friends with in real life. Uh, I got a lot of good footage of him um, at our, our, our rec team finals yesterday. We did lose on a buzzer beater, um, but he had you know a preposterously big block to open the game. A lot of clutch plays. It was intense. Um, yeah, you you probably know him from. Uh, the Canadian Baking Show, CBC Baking Show. He's one of the uh, hosts there uh, with Ann Pornell. Uh, but give it up as size as you can, even if you're at home alone, for Alan Shane Lewis. Yeah, also, when you were bringing up Philippe, I was like, this could be both of us up until, like, the least part. And I was like, okay, it's probably not me. Like, yeah. I don't think you know about, about my Alexander McGillney uh, Ed Belfour <laughs> with hot band-aids, but uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> some great. I want to know. Um, I, I watched and played hockey up until about 13 years old, and I left to a different school where people played basketball, and I was like, oh, I'm done here. Uh, <laughs> it was a great wow. ride. Uh, yeah, Doug Gilmore was one of my, my favorite players back in the day. Uh, huge fan of him. Yeah. Did, didn't recognize him, though, when we went to a game together. Did not recognize him. <laughs> right beside us and i was just like what someone's taking a picture i'm like oh shit (laughs) and i'm wearing his jersey Um, hilarious (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i i I don't know if i can relate because my my favorite uh player is um gary roberts so nice if you love gary roberts you can scram (laughs) jk i uh it's wendell clark but um okay (laughs) Let's let's talk some Raptors. We will get to some Leafs. Um, just a warning for the basketball fans, but we are Torontonians. So, A, we need something to sink our teeth into. B, some history went down. Um, but, uh, Maddie, good sir, we're going to start with some NBA. Please give me your most delicious, weird, weird owl NBA sting. National, National Basketball, Basketball Association. Association. Oh, wow. Okay. We're pivoting from weird owl. That was Matt. Sounds like some early Eminem beats. <laughs> Trust in Masai. There we are. <laughs> there we are. Trust in Masai. Um, in an era where uh, the Writers Guild's about to go on strike, AI is taking our jobs. <laughs> we found an AI that doesn't know how to pronounce Masai Ujiri's name. Trust in Masai. Uh, there we go. Masai. <laughs> um, just, just, yeah, just a, a robot about to die. Um, okay, let's let's start with you, um, Philippe. So, question number one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think everyone is uh, is all aboard the, the the parody train. This is the most parody I've ever experienced as a hardcore NBA fan. Um, and I, yeah, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it's the most upsets in uh, NBA first round history. I definitely do not remember ever seeing. Uh, an upset from the eight seed with the Heat and Bucks, and an upset from uh, 
the seven seed with the with the Lakers and Grizzlies in the same first round. Like that's wild. Like that's a rare, rare occurrence uh, in the NBA. It was the sixth time I think for both uh, of, of those seeds to upset. Um, but yeah, wild first round, really entertaining. Philippe, what, what, yeah, what's your major takeaway from from this first round? I think between all that happening and then also uh, the NHL's first round where there was also a ton of upsets, I think we're really seeing that uh, in North American sports, the tragedy of the regular season. Like, can we just admit that the regular season does not matter uh, at this point? Like, eighty-two, a team could go 82-0, and 0, and then if they lose in the playoffs – no one cares about their season. Like we saw mm-hmm. it with like the 73 and nine golden state warriors. We saw it with the new England Patriots when they lost, they went undefeated during the regular season, lost in the super bowl. Like if you gave me an option of like, Hey, your team's going to make it to the finals, but then lose, they could either go in 82 and O or like squeak in as an eight seat. I would be like, Oh, give me the eight seat every time. Cause the other options humiliating, like the regular season doesn't matter. In fact, the bigger, the better you do during the regular season, the like, the worse you look if you get upset in the playoffs. So right. I think we're at the point, and especially since in North America, we put such little stock on the regular season. Like in Europe, like the EPL uh, for soccer, like if you, like that's who the championship is, like who does the best during the season. That's that's mm-hmm. who's crowned the champion. But here it's 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 nothing. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. They have like, they hand out a trophy to the best regular season records, but that's not the one everyone's playing for. And um I think we're really realizing that teams are figuring that out too, in that like they're resting players. Uh, after the trade deadline, teams look like way different. Yeah. Like the regular season has basically just become like a pre- uh, like an 82 game long preseason. And there's like, there's like a two week window in like March where the teams, the games actually matter. Cause then you see like the post trade deadline lineups and like before that part of the season when like teams have clinched. So they're just resting players at this point. And outside of that, like, it's just, it's chaos. And who cares? Like, I found myself so disinterested in both the Leafs and the Raptors regular seasons this year. Because I was like, we'll see what they do in the playoffs. Because nothing until then matters at all. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not, you know, you don't hear people like fans and or analysts or whatever kind of talking about regular season accomplishments um, you know, the odd times some team has like an historic winning streak or obviously, the, you know, a lot of the awards are given like the individual awards. But as far as like team stuff, no one's like, oh, man, that team was like really hot in February. So like keep them together or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, for, for a lot of sports, the, the playoffs like look fairly differently. You know, uh, you know, I, I can't speak so much for for the NHL or for MLB or whatever, but. I, I know in the NBA, the the matchups are it's like its own uh, ecosystem. Uh, a friend of the pod, Katie Heindel, actually wrote a really good article about parody uh, today. Um, I'll, I'll I'll find the name of the publication later to plug it. But yeah, it's sort of just talking about how whatever happens in the regular season, uh, who you're playing against is, is such a major factor. And, and actually Van Gundy and 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 uh, was on the the low post and he was he brought up the idea of like with the play in maybe maybe the NBA should think harder about giving the one seed in this case the Bucks the choice between playing the Hawks or the Heat because they probably would have chose the Hawks considering you know play styles and and Jimmy Butler thriving so much. In, in a scenario where there's like a uh, a drop center, like a guy who waits near the rim, like Lopez, 
Um, I think they much would have rather played the played the Bucks, but you know, maybe not. Um, to to your point, though, I think, yeah, I think the regular season is is this thing where it's getting harder and harder to assess the value. Obviously, the uh, the NBA is tinkering with it uh, with the in season tournament coming up. Um, I know as someone that covers the WNBA, the the WNBA players like profoundly do not care about the in season tournament, so. It should be interesting to see how the NBA makes them care. But, um, yeah, I mean, I it's sort of like, it's, it's like, I guess it adds to the marathon of getting there. Like that's sort of, that's something. Um, and how do you manage players? How do you manage their health? Right. Like if you're Joel Embiid, do you, do you chase the MVP or do you play half the games to make sure that you're healthy in the playoffs? It's kind of this, like this weird calculation. Um, yeah, uh, good points, um, uh, Alan. Where where are you coming from for the for the first round? What stuck out to you? Uh, yeah, for, first and foremost, I just want to say, I, I Philippe, I see your Bulbasaur, and I raise you two Charmanders. Uh, <laughs> oh. Whoa! 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 Wait, wait. <laughs> two more Bulbasaurs! <laughs> wow! Wow! Please have more Charmanders. That's all I can say. Uh, Alan, do you got anything? Ready to get your Squirtle up. Uh, no, um, I, I agree and I disagree. I, to one point, I do agree that the, 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 the regular season now has looked like something that it's kind of, um, um, oh, like an old school kind of mentality of like looking at it. It's just like this, this thing, this prehistoric thing that we don't have the same amount of value on, but I think we should. I think we should have that type of value. And I think the only ways that you could really do this is incentivize certain things during the season. And I think, I, I think the main reason a lot of you see a lot of these players do load management or whatever is like they want to hold their body so they can make the most money they possibly can. They, they are riding on the fact that they can play basketball for a short window in their life and they want to get as much money as possible. So if you incentivize it being like, okay, winning, uh, um, t, uh, whoever has the best record in whatever, or the best record here or tier down, you get X amount of dollars and just maybe increase the idea of like, maybe I do want to win this regular season. There is a value to this. I get like 20 more million dollars to add to my contract or five more million dollars or 10 more million, whatever it is, figure mm-hmm. out a way to do that. Um, but uh, the biggest takeaway from this entire thing though, I, I, I definitely think injuries uh, play a huge factor and injuries are something that you plan for and also uh, adapt to. And I think through the regular season, you figure a lot of that stuff out. You get the next man up rotations. You you figure out how to, to if your, your, your main scorings come from here, how do we figure out how to get scoring without this person? And then that carries on into the playoffs. And the playoffs, when you see certain teams are just missing a certain player, missing a certain, like you saw with the Memphis Grizzlies, once you kind of like lost Steven Adams, everything, it was a house of cards. Everything just kind of fell down and they didn't have a way to kind of adapt and figure that out. And that's the way you kind of do that in the regular season. You figure out different uh, models and different uh, rotations that kind of figure out and buttress all the different players and play styles. Um, and I, I think another big, big takeaway is, yeah, the play in works. I think it's this is it's we finally have for the first time ever in NBA history at one through eight through the, the, the eight teams like we've we've never seen something like this before. And and two two teams came in through the, the play in, which is fantastic. So that's that's great for, um, you know, teams hovering around nine, ten to kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. step your game up. Um, but yeah, I think it's just I I don't want to I don't want to throw away the idea that we need 72 games. And even though I, I agree, 82 games is a lot. Imagine playing basketball for 48 minutes, 82 times a year, plus another like potential 20 something at the end of it. I think it's very hard on your body, but I think it's mm-hmm. it's just about 
maybe getting a, a deeper rotation, figuring out how to pl- implement like the tenth guy and ninth guy into yeah. into games and, and and win that way, and not necessarily kind of overloading your stars and putting a whole bunch of stress on their joints. So then they we they flame out like an Embiid or Kawhi in in, in the uh, in the playoffs when when it you know when it's supposed to like count count. But um, right. I, I, as a fan, I, I you know accessibility to tickets, especially to playoffs, is very hard to come by. And so kind of putting too much stress on that and not into the regular season, you're going to get a lot of times where you're going to buy tickets to uh, Golden State Warriors. And guess what? They sat four of their players, you know, so Mm -hmm. I don't want to encourage that in a way. I still want to see regular season basketball. I want to see all 82 of it, but I still want to see a safe way of doing it all, like just kind of figuring it out. And um, yeah, I think maybe incentivizing something in the end is probably the best way to kind of uh, make sure that they don't you know, lose sight of it all. Even though like LeBron James was the type of player for many years to be like, I don't really worry about my seating. I'm just waiting for those last 16 games. He still went out there and competed with that squad to figure out different things. And to to Philippe's point, yeah, exactly. After trade deadline, that team looked a lot different and they kind of like, you know, kind of working on all cylinders. So, yeah. Yeah, good good point. Sorry, were you wanting to jump in, Philippe? Oh, no, no. Um, Yeah, you know, I think um, what we've seen with the new CBA, Alan, uh, they, they're starting to put in some stuff as far as awards, like a minimum per game. I think it's 65 games for some of the awards. So I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of ways to approach this problem. I, you know, I, I've apologies to, to, to listeners of this pod. Cause I have sort of, I've said this in many different ways before, but I think that, you know, when it comes to like length of season, that sort of conversation, I really do think that the NBA has a, like, has a marketing problem uh, more than anything else. I feel like they, they market around, you know, 15 to 20 players and they sort of rely on those players playing too much. Like you, you don't see a lot of sports. Um, well, we got, we got a lot of hockey people here. What's like a, what's like a leading ice time for, for like, like who leads the league in minutes in the NHL? Is it, am I wrong in saying Defense. it's like 22 minutes a game, something like that? About that, some defensemen 24. will play more. Like some defensemen will play twenty five minutes a game, but like your okay. average like star forwards will be like yeah, around twenty one, twenty two minutes a game. Right, right. You know, and I, again, like you know, I know like once you start to cons- compare sports, it gets pretty funky because it's like obviously like hockey, you know, your your the short shifts or sprinting, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think you know, I, I I feel like that when you know we expect the star players uh, in the NBA to play. Um, like if, if any, if any player played less than half of the game, right? Like, let's say if like the like 48 minutes in a game, if LeBron played 24 or, or Giannis, if Giannis played 24 minutes a game, you know, that's just not something I think like we we've ever seen. Right. You know, so we expect all of the star players to play like over three quarters of the whole game. Um, and, you know, it's not like we, like we know as Raptors fans, like Siakam, right. is averaging 37 minutes of a 48 uh, minute game. Right. So I think the stress on the players, you, there almost needs to be a different pr- approach. And, you know, I think like deeper benches emphasizing that, like, there's a lot of a, a lot of skill in the NBA and and sort of de-emphasizing the need to have star players play that much in the regular season. I feel like when we talk load management, it's really sort of about the star players. Um, yeah. So that, that, that's kind of where I'm at as far as like the, the regular season and making it matter from a player standpoint. But I think. To, to Philippe's original point, there still is, I think there's still some disconnect between 
the stylistic differences. I know I'm jumping around all, all, all over the place here, but I, I know it's a big issue with the MLB, right? Like uh, as Jays fans, we've had a bunch of teams that it's like, oh man, like our, our, our hitting is incredible. And then we show up in the playoffs and we play a team like Kansas that has like a different pitcher for every batter. And it's like, wait a second, does it matter that we're good at hitting? Because they're just going to rifle through pitchers and, you know, not let us get any momentum. And um, yeah, I feel like this is a, quite the tangent for me. So apologies guys, but I mean, yeah, it's an interesting conversation. Um, Anything to add before we move on? Uh, Fuck Boston. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. Fuck Boston. Um, Philippe, fuck Boston or do you love Boston? No, fuck Boston. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Every team from Boston is a nightmare team. Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) Um, If, if you're from Boston and you're listening to this, Fuck you, man. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, just I'm so sorry. Um, okay, let's uh, let's ask uh, this question here. Um, I mean, a little bit of development with Dylan Brooks. Uh, so, first of all, uh, before I get to the question, uh, oh, what is the exact phrasing? But but I think I think the Memphis Grizzlies came out and said, under no circumstance, yes, will they be bringing back Dylan Brooks? <laughs> Uh, which, which is, which is something else because I feel like even just, I don't know, like that's like, you don't see a franchise trash someone that openly, like that's going to affect his money. That's going to affect his career that, uh, it's, it's something else. And, you know, I saw something on Twitter that was saying like, for them to say, we're not bringing this guy back under any circumstance. And then like, you know, a week before that to have him as like one of the main if not the main check on LeBron shows a pretty big disconnect for Memphis, right? They were relying on this guy to some degree. Right. Uh, And then saying that, you know, we don't want anything to do with you. I mean, I guess we don't know. We don't know everything, right? Maybe there was an exit interview and Dylan Brooks said some wild shit, which I feel like is possible. Um, But uh, anyway, uh, anyways, all that said, Dylan Brooks is in the news. I, I don't like to punch someone, you know, kick them when they're down sort of thing. But I, I do love the idea. Uh, I'm a wrestling fan. I love the ideas of like these, you know, villains and heroes and kind of like that sort of narrative thing. And Dylan Brooks absolutely took the crown from from Pat Bev um, or, you know, whoever else it was as like the NBA number one villain. I think fans of like the you know basketball for a long time remember guys like Raja Bell or you know the, you know certain dudes who would go at Kobe and you know label themselves the Kobe stopper. <laughs> so you know th- this this role is familiar like these guys that go at star players for clout and you know d- whatever Dylan Brooks uh, before the whole LeBron thing I think was pretty hated. Uh shout out Mississauga. I'm glad we got a Canadian <laughs> going in there. But um yeah, it made me think like who's who's up next? Like who's coming for his villain crown? And like when like is it going to come out of nowhere? Is it someone who's already kind of hated? So I wanted to hear what you guys thought. Alan, let's go to you first. Who is yeah, who's the next Dylan Brooks? Like next year, who's the guy that's like that's that's going full heel? Um first and foremost, I just want to say um 
I don't like dogpiling. I don't like all that stuff. I kind of pulled back on Dylan Brooks after I kind of saw a lot of that stuff kind of happening. And I think a lot of this is a scapegoat from the uh, organization that's trying to save face because they had a really uh, poor exit. Yeah, um, They had an inability to control any of their players or their stars going through the whole season. And they're going like, that's the problem. That's the cancer. And for them to say that, once again, Freddie, to your point, I agree. There could be something that he fully just said that we just don't know. But from the outside kind of looking in, for them to say that, and also for Shams to kind of like write that as well, I don't mm-hmm. like that. I don't like that. You're really messing with people's monies like that. And I just, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird energy. Um, and, but to, to the next point, uh, who's the next villain? Uh, the, the, the NBA has the, one of the shortest memories, like, <laughs> or at least, you know, so mm-hmm. whoever is the next uh, villain is a player that you love right now. It's whoever it is that you're really enjoying that you're going to, after a while, people are going to be like, I don't like seeing them so happy anymore. And that's going to be the <laughs> villain. probably going to be a player on like Sacramento or something like that. People are like, like the beam, F you some bonus. Like it's, you know, it's going to be something <laughs> yeah. like that. It, it will be a hundred percent. It's just somebody that's just like, they're happy to win. <laughs> we saw that with the Memphis Grizzlies. Remember how excited we were for the Memphis Grizzlies when they were winning? We were like, oh, look at them. They're gritty and they're having a good time. They're dancing. And I were like, I hate every single player on that team. Dylan yeah. Brooks is a menace. And he personally robbed $5 from me. Like it's, it, yeah. it's just, it's so hyperbolic in how we kind of shift energies on a lot of players. And I think it, for sure it's going to be someone of Sacramento. You're going to see it like Davion Mitchell guards too hard or something like that. It's somebody who's uh, attempting to stop a star player from scoring yeah. a basketball. And that's just who it's going to be. Um, I, okay. So, so you like, first of all, I totally agree. Um, second of all, I think you, I, I hear that you're going with Mitchell. Um and and earlier I was like, oh my god, is he really making a case for Sabonis? Because that that for me would be fun. And you know, I, I agree. It, it's there is it this be. like Cinderella. Sorry, go go ahead, Alan. No, I, yeah, it could be a Sabonis. Yeah, it really could be. But but yeah, the the you know there is this sort of history in the NBA of, of kind of like oh these uh, these upstart these upstart dudes, and the next year it's kind of like yeah, but you're a bit too upstart. Um, <laughs> Uh, with that said, you know maybe maybe we're we're talking Knicks, right? It could be a, a Knicks guy. They got they got some some dudes. Um, Jalen Brunson. They're gonna be like, what is this even? You know, like right? Yeah, like oh yeah. I mean, uh, as a celebration, I do really love that. Um, <laughs> is it Joker? Is it a Joker thing? Uh, I've seen uh, another friend of uh, of the pod, Lauren Mitchell, say that uh, she's convinced uh, that it's eating pussy, and. And she loves that it's a progressive that because there's a picture of everyone doing that. And she's she's sort of like men should be more proud of that. Um, and I love that. And I want to see more of it. And I, I love that when he hits a three, he's just like, like <laughs> yeah, it's like it's yeah, it's it's a bit um, it's a bit not connected at all. But if he's making that connection, cheers. More power. Um, yeah. Uh, OK, weird transition, but. Philippe, who's your who's your next Dylan Brooks? Uh, I would really love to see a bit of um, kind of what we see from the NFL, where just like some some rookie with a big ego comes along and he says something mm-hmm. like, "I'm going to make everyone that passed on me regret it," and just comes out and kind of like proves it. I think that's a big part of being a villain, like not only talking trash but kind of backing it up. Like I, mm-hmm. I struggle to see Dylan Brooks even as a villain because like just the way that ended like that was more like 
the bully from like a cartoon, like just yeah. like said something rude and then fell down the stairs. And you're like, Ooh, that's <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, I would love, I would love to see just like, I don't know, look at whatever your favorite mock draft is and pick someone in the mid, like the middle of the first round and be like, just some guy that's like, I should have gone first overall. I'm going to prove that everyone who passed on me made a mistake and then just like back it up. I love those kind of storylines. We see pretty often in the NFL, like the third or fourth quarterback taken will be like, Oh, I'm going to prove to all those guys they made a mistake. And then often they turn out being like really good players. Like I think a lot of people hate Patrick Mahomes because he is so good. Like he's just a fantastically good. And, uh, and he was taken in kind of like that middle of the first round area. Um, And yeah, I, I like, I feel like a lot of NBA villains are born out of like the fans first, like the fans start hating them and then they lean into it a bit. Uh, I would like to see a player kind of take the lead on this one and just kind of embrace that heel role. Like, especially if you're going to like a team that maybe doesn't get attention, like if you are going to like a Sacramento or something like that, um, just kind of lean in and draw some attention to your team and yourself and be like, here we go. I'm going to lean into this and I'm going to make sure everyone knows who I am for better or for worse. Um, I love this. I definitely think that there is like some major energy. Like if you feel like if you come in to the league feeling slighted, that's a good sort of origin story. Uh, and by this logic, uh, the Sacramento Kings are drafting 24th next year and <laughs> coming up in the first round. And this mock draft has uh, Jalen Wilson. Uh, from Kansas, who I have no idea who that is. I'm sure he's a really nice guy, but um, <laughs> I think he's going to be a villain. Uh, there you go. He's coming the, in. The, go ahead, this, this conversation sparks some ideas for me. So I, to your point, Philippe, I think Anthony Edwards, you know, hmm. I, mean, I think that might be the thing where people are like, wait a minute, you know, and they're going to get on him. And also there's a rookie coming out that like already the media has been shitting on. Because uh, there was a whole kind of court case where I think maybe he gave back a gun to somebody who murdered somebody. So it's kind of effed up in that way. Mm-hmm. But um, I think his name is Brandon Brandon Miller, I want to say. And he's like top five pick in the in the draft. And I can see him being, uh, you know, especially with media types. and Yeah, uh, he's, he's, he's number two in this uh, NBA draft net. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah he, he, he's up there and he's really good. But... Uh, I think that's going to be hard for him to escape and shake. And, you know, I definitely think he needs to address it uh, in a lot of, and, you know, kind of clear the air on a lot of different things. But uh, I can see him becoming him to this league, being like chip on his shoulder and then not taking anything from uh, interviews and whatnot. You want, you want to add some of that was um, Marcus Smart because he had the, the really sort of like infamous moment. Um, in college where yeah. uh, I think someone said something racist to him and he got up and I think he pushed the guy maybe. Um, but then he was sort of like in that college atmosphere, it, everything came down on him. So I think a lot of America was like, this guy sucks. Uh, and then, you know, he came into the league and he has like a bit of a Lowry thing. And I mean, uh, uh, as someone that uh, has lost to him in a playoff series, like he makes me very mad. Um <laughs> But I think he sort of turned the corner where people love him. He's kind of like now in like that almost that like Lowry territory where people are like they they respect his grit. Um, but yeah, just uh, that that like he's less obviously like a problematic story like crime type thing. But like I feel like he he kind of came into the league and had to like change his narrative. 
Um, my guy is Bobby Portis. Uh, I, th- <laughs> I think Bobby Portis, you know, obviously had the the story where he uh, punched Miritich in the face, broke his face. Um, and, you know, I, I think Milwaukee loves him and he's like this like tough guy. But I, I could see him doing one or two things that are kind of like like just dirty plays. And I can't see him backing down. So I feel like as he sort of gets more and more comfortable, uh, he could be that type of guy that sort of like starts to talk more. Um, he's not as flashy as a Dylan Brooks, but I, you know, I could see him, you know, if you give him the mic a lot, maybe he gets his own podcast or something like that. Uh, Bobby Portis, Bobby Portis eyes. I feel like something's up there, you know? <laughs> um, okay. Let's, uh, Uncle let's Bobby. Just- <laughs> Uncle Bobby. I know people actually love him, but it, I'm sort of sticking with this idea that like the people we love are also the people we will hate. Um, well, villains are often super beloved by their like home team. Like you think of like, how often do you hear the phrase like, Oh, I hate that player, but I would love him if he were on my team. Like for sure. That kind of thing. Like, yeah. Like, uh, like you look at like, like you were saying like a Kyle Lowry type who a lot yeah. of fan bases did hate or like Draymond Green, like most teams would like, just jump at the opportunity to have any guy like that. I would defend Marcus Smart so much if he was wearing. <laughs> oh my god, I, me too. I, I, it's it's crazy. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, but that's the way basketball's supposed to be. Like, I would be that guy too. all the time. But now I'm just like, how can he do that? That's arrest him. Put him yeah. away. If he was a raptor, I'd be dying my hair red because he dyes his hair red. <laughs> you know what I mean? Solidarity. Um, shout out to the homers. Stay tuned after the break for more Confederacy of Dunks. Okay, let's let's talk some some Raptors, uh, and we're gonna bring Maddie in here. Maddie, give me your best weirdest. It might just be you this time. Uh, Raptors Weird Al Sting. Me and spending all my life living in a Raptors paradise. Huge. <laughs> Oh, uh, Matt's, you know, you know, it's good because Matt's still laughing at his own uh, sound. It's so stupid. Uh, yeah, it is. It oh is stupid. God, uh, and I love you. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've gone too far. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, this is our, our, our silly question. Matt, we're going to start with you. You always kick it off good. Uh, nurse is gone. Um and, uh, you know, we all know he had his, his, his big hobbies, um, uh, Arkells and, you know, his guitar, uh, he was, he was doing music and shit also showed up on a lot of Canadian TV. <laughs> this guy got around. Um, yeah. so, uh, it made me think that, uh, you know, I'm sure Masai does stuff, right? He's obviously less, you know, we, we don't know about it as much, but like, what are Masai's, you know, hobbies that like no one would expect. Uh, obviously, silly and serious answers both welcome. Maddie, yeah. what's Messiah up to when he's not uh, doing basketball stuff? Okay, cool. I'll try to keep this as serious as possible. Um, okay. <laughs> when I think of Messiah, he does seem like a very mysterious character sure. to me. And like, you don't really hear about people running into him on the squash court or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that. The first thing that came to mind for me is like everybody knows that Dwayne Casey's rock is still at the Scotia Bank. They haven't been able to get it out of the offices. 
it's kind of stuck there like uh, Thor's hammer or something. Sure. And everyone's just kind of ignored it, apparently. I think <laughs> that there is a button that Masai presses, and then that rock tilts. And then he jumps down into like a luge shuttle system. Sure, That sure. he uses to like get to his own little bat cave. Okay. And on all those screens, he's probably playing some retro SNES type system. Okay, yeah. I could see him so down far. there with bats everywhere and just playing old video games. But also that, you know, it's a network. It's a luge shuttle network. And I think it okay. takes him to where he's president, Sneaky D's, if he wants to get some nachos during a game. Sometimes he disappears for 50 minutes. He's taking the luge shuttle to Sneaky D's to get sure. some private nachos. And... Really, he can go anywhere in the city. There, this is why the construction of the Eglinton line has taken so long. The okay. uh, the other the other one that's looping up because he's got these luge shuttle lanes everywhere, and they keep running into them yeah. when they're digging these tunnels. So that's pretty much what I believe <laughs> Masai gets okay. up to in his spare time. Okay, yeah. Um, that was pretty serious. Uh, thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he has a, an elaborate um, shuttle system that's like sounds like it's like when you, like you, when you put mail in that tube. Yeah, yeah. Thing. Like yeah. That, that's what I'm picturing. Right? Um, so that accounts for all sorts of major construction delays. Also has a specific sneaky D access. And, and you brought up Dwayne Casey's Big Rock. Um, and then didn't yeah. bring it back up. So I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's in there uh, somewhere. Um, cool. So, yeah, what yeah. type of hobbies does Masai do? <laughs> Not a hobby. It sounds like a way of life. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, cheers, Matt. This is. This is, this is why we need you to kick off this segment. Um, I hope everyone followed that because it was pretty easy to follow. Um, <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's go to you, Philippe. What are Masai's hobbies? I honestly dare you to beat that. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to be able to. But just from what I know about Masai, which isn't too much, admittedly, because he does have yeah. that mysterious allure. Um, but because of that, I have never been more confident that someone... Uh, leans heavily into playing Dungeons and Dragons than Masai Kujiri. <laughs> I think okay. I think he's got a level seventeen trickster rogue. I think he goes full in character. I think <laughs> he's been playing a campaign for years and years sure. with like just a bunch of pals, and I, I think he has uh, he has a blast doing it. Um, he just the tactics of it, the uh, the the power control of it. I think all these all these seem like attributes he would value and. Um, I I hope that one day I can play with him. <laughs> um, that that's so lovely and magical. Do do you feel like he's the dungeon master, or does he just like I just want to be one of the guys? I think he I think he likes to play as one of the guys. I I think he has a character that he created years and years ago. He's been playing that character since, and uh, he's probably dabbled in DMing a bit. He's probably like run a one shot or two, but, but I think <laughs> I think he likes being. Uh, he's it's one of those things that like people that are like are in high power, like letting loose sometimes. I think he's so used to running a team that he doesn't want to run a campaign. He just, he just wants to be one of the players in this case. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's great. That's why I wanted to ask this. Cause I feel like Masai does sort of give off this, like whatever I do, I do it perfectly. So I love the idea of him. Yeah. Playing Dungeons and Dragons or having an extensive underground network, like in a hamster <laughs> shuttle. Thing. Um, Alan, what's up? What's Masai's, uh, what is he doing outside of basketball? I, I see a lot of people talking about um, uh, Nick Nurse's, you know, guest starring on 
on shows like Murdoch Mystery, but no one talks about Jay Triano being on Mike Bullard Live. No one ever talks about that. <laughs> it was a great time for all. We were all enjoying that. I bet Mike Bullard talks about it. It's <laughs> all he talks about. He's like, you know, I had Jay Triano on one yeah. day. Take it easy, Bullard. <laughs> and then he fights him. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, but uh, for for Masai Ujiri, I I think I think he's uh he's sneaky into fitness. I think we we don't see it a lot. He's always on his phone. He's always doing that. But I think he's truly into Peloton. And I don't oh, think yeah. he's just out there, you know, uh, absorbing it and listening to somebody. No, 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 no. He is a one of the instructors of Peloton. He's oh. out there every night, <laughs> you know. Getting people ready to go. He's like, come on. We're trying to like get to the, the, the finals right here. Push it, push it, push it. And he's still on his phone, you know, talking to Bobby Webster. But he's still doing it at the same time because it's his passion. He's not even doing it for money. He's not doing it for money. He doesn't no. need the money. He's doing it because he loves it. And that's why he does it every single night. <laughs> you must I, be so I jacked love- for that Blackberry movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a, a secret funder for the for the Blackberry movie. I, I as someone that's done some Peloton, I love the idea of Masai doing something like I feel like it's like every second second thing would be like we we're we want to win in Toronto. And yeah. people from like all over the world are like, what is this guy? We want to <laughs> win like, in Toronto. Fuck Brooklyn. Fuck Brooklyn. <laughs> what is he saying? I live yeah. in Brooklyn. Yeah, Kate. I'm in Brooklyn. Is it me he's uh, saying it to? <laughs> um, Caden 6'9", Resistance 6'9". Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, he did mention, there has been some mention of him doing the Peloton. So that's like, right. that's pretty close to a real answer. I know that, uh, I think DeRozan said that he, he was like a floor below Masai in, um, a floor below Masai in, in, in the bubble. And he like made a joke that he's like, you, you keep getting on your Peloton too early and waking me up. Oh, that's <laughs> um, I, I'm going, uh, I work in a contemporary art museum. I am going, uh, like, you know, first I was thinking like, maybe he's a collector, but I'm like, that's kind of a rich person thing. You know, you, you make secret bids or whatever. I like the idea of, um, you know, he's methodical. I like the idea of Masai being like someone who sculpts. So he has like some, some factory, uh, somewhere in Toronto. And it's like a, just a big art factory. Like, I feel like he knows Banksy. Um, you know, he, he sort of like gets tips from like big time artists and he sculpts, like he works with a bunch of materials, wow. um, bronze or, uh, what are we working with here? What's, what's the white one? Uh, marble. Uh, marble. Yeah. Marble, bronze, stone. All of it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I see him like being trained in a bunch of different, like, like dangerous types too. Like he's like, he's welding, Ooh. like he's doing a lot of shit and. I think he he gets all that stuff by his underground network, which Matt talked about. Um, <laughs> that's how that's how he gets all the parts there secretly. I thought you were um, going to say he was like a human statue outside Jay's games or something like the silver yeah, silver yeah, Elvis he's, he's or the Elvis guy. Like, yeah, he does like he's the gold Elvis, <laughs> <laughs> and he just is like, and then like drunk people like poke him, and he's just like, you want um, to win. Yeah, all he says is, uh, <laughs> we want to win. Um, <laughs> cool. Uh, Messiah's the greatest. Um, okay. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to uh, some NBA stuff, or sorry, some Raptor stuff here. Um, I guess serious, serious Raptor shit. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll be talking about Nurse for a long time, I think. 
you know, just as far as like what he brought to the table, what he didn't bring to the table. Um, obviously so much may or may not happen with the roster here, but what I'm like most interested in, um, is so we have this roster right now, right? We don't know what's going to happen, particularly with Fred, um, yeah, Fred Yak and Gary, they're all unrestricted free agents. Uh, we are probably going to hire, I think the timeline for a head coach is we're hiring a head coach before the draft, right? Um, cause they want to be part of the vision. Uh, so yeah, let me go to you, Philippe. Um, yeah. What are you hoping the next Raptors coach, uh, whoever that might be, uh, brings to the table? Yeah. Um, this, I, I'll preface this by saying, uh, I really did like Nick Nurse. I thought he did a lot of great things for the Raptors, uh, because the next thing I'm going to say is going to sound a bit mean. But I, but I hope the next Raptors head coach has uh, a lot more humility than he did, uh, especially towards the end of his tenure. It kind of felt like he uh, was getting a bit big for his britches, like kind mm-hmm. of saying and doing some things that implied he was like bigger than the team or like yeah. kind of knew more than a lot of people. And uh, a lot of that I attributed to just like I think it's almost like gifted kid syndrome, like winning as a rookie head coach kind of like put maybe in his head like oh no i know i know the way it is having a whole country praise him getting hired to team canada winning as a rookie like i think all that at once kind of like fill him with this energy of like oh i'm almost like jose Mourinho to bring him back to soccer again like winning mm-hmm. so so early in his career is just like put this energy in his head like i'm the great one i'm special if you don't follow my rules it's wrong and um yeah. Which is ironic because so early in his career, he was praised for like how well he can like adapt defenses and like adapt to other players yeah. uh, and other teams. But then later in his career, like some of the stuff, like people would be like, please use the bench more. Please stop leaning on the starters. Like, please. It seems like he didn't want to change his formula at all. He just wanted to keep using the same players, keep using the same systems. And I would like a player that, or rather a coach that can maybe uh, listen, adapt more, take in other voices and, and not feel like they need to do everything their way all the time. Yeah, you know, I think that's very fair. You know, I, I've definitely, I think this Raptors team has a lot more problems than, than just Nick Nurse. Um, and, you know, I think uh, I'm, I'm a big Masai Ujiri fan, but, you know, nobody's perfect. And I think he's made mistakes as well. There's roster chemistry issues. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I totally agree. I've said it a million times. I feel like the, um, me and Alan were talking the other day. I, I think there's this like sort of this assistant coach energy where he was like an intense numbers guy. And yeah, it's sort of like, it's like he lost the room. I think everyone can, can agree with that. But I think part of, part of the reason he lost the room is because he stopped reading the room. Like he was sort of like obsessed with like, um, yeah, his way, right. His sort of like, there's this like idealistic version of basketball which, you know, to your point, Philippe, I think is really odd because, you know, uh, as someone that's criticized Nurse a lot, like he really is responsible for so much progressive, cool shit in the NBA, right? He won two G League titles with the with the um, Grand uh, Grand Rapid Valley. Um, I'm messing that up. The, the, the G League team. Rio uh, Grand. Rio Grand Vipers. Rio Grand Valley. I, I yeah. got to look it up. Um, but yeah, he, you know, and he sort of started, like he helped propel the Harden era, this like three point era, um, obviously, you know, G state as well, but like he, he's a big part of the analytics movement. You know, when, when he was the main assistant for the Raptors, uh, the, the whole sort of like, uh, um, what, what was the term we were using? It was a culture shift. 
um, or culture reset, maybe it was, mm-hmm. um, you know, Casey was the figurehead, but, but nurse was sort of like the tactical brain. Um, so he, yeah, he really did bring a lot of like genius to the table. Um, but yeah, I agree that there was this sort of, yeah, this this rigidness, which, which is, which is odd, but, um, yeah, Alan, what are, you know, please comment on, on, on the nurse stuff, but also what are you hoping the next coach brings? Um, yeah, but I'll, I'll talk about like, yeah, what I, the next coach brings, I hope, um, just systems. I like, I like systems. I like drawn up plays. I love, uh, like, you know, kooky shit that just like, wait, what the ball's moving like this many times that like, like uh, running like a lot of Spain and different types of just like play movements and just pistol. Like Mike, Mike Brown. Yeah. Just stuff. Yeah. Switching it up. And it's just like, okay, I like this. The ball's moving and there's not a lot of stagnation. Um, stagnation is the enemy of offense. You got to keep that ball moving. Like it's soccer. Yeah. Like that, that's the best way to play basketball. You play like soccer, you're gonna play real good. Um, and I agree. I agree that pop or pop, um, uh, Nick Nurse uh, needs a little bit of humility. I feel like he was talking like Pop, and he ain't Pop, you mm-hmm. know. But I, I want to go on the record that I don't think we should have fired him. I think he was a scapegoat once again for a poor season. And you can be like, yeah, you know, we lost the players, but and all that stuff. But I'm like, uh, NBA franchises are not like relationships. You don't need like a, a some space and time to figure things out. I think maybe do a little window shopping while you kind of have this kind of person at the same time, because vacuums are dangerous. Vacuums are seriously dangerous and it's going to reflect that in our play. It's going to reflect that going forward. I hope it doesn't. I hope it's hope we get the right person for the job and the players respond well and we do great and all that stuff. But personally, I'm okay if we suck. I'm okay if we suck because I'm ticket prices are going to come down. Uh, I want to pay. I, I, I talked about it on Twitter. I want to pay two hundred dollars for a preseason uh, front row ticket, courtside tickets to the, the Hornets. Like I'm ready for the these the MLS esports has like increased them way too high. So um, I'm scared because of like who are the options that we really have right now. I love Becky Hammond, but why would Becky Hammond leave a championship run in, uh, on, 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 on an organization that treats her well? Like, it doesn't make sense for her to kind of move. I know a lot of Raptor fans don't want to hire internally, which is like, well, then why did you want this guy fired? Then, like, it, it just seems like if, if you don't want Nurse, tell me what you want, and then mm-hmm. we can play with that. And I don't think we've thought that next part through because the coaching carousel right now is looking kind of bleak, to be honest. Maybe there is a coach out there in college that's, like, really doing stuff, but are we going to put all our eggs into a coach that's never actually coached in the NBA? That's kind of hard. It's like preparing for a free agency where you're like, I've, I've moved all this players to free up all this cap space to sign all these players. And it's a year where like, I don't know, uh, Christian Wood is the top free agent. And you're like, yeah. well, why did you do that for this year? Maybe <clears throat> wait for another time. Maybe when you hear inklings of something else happening over there, that's the time. I would, I would have rather given uh, Nick Nurse a little bit of uh, time this year and be like, okay, the, the team's not responding the same way we, we wanted to. Now you can go because to say all the problems were because of him, it's it's wildly inaccurate. We had injuries that happened. Otto Porter Jr. played like our three-point specialist played like four games and a half. Uh, so we didn't have him. And you've, you've, you've got to, you, you started off with a roster that didn't have a center. You, you're not even going to give Nick Nurse uh, a, a, a training camp with Pirtle. You don't want to do that? You don't want to see what we can figure out with that. <laughs> so um, 
Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm in the camp of keep him until you figure out what's a better move. And instead of just like firing him and like, well, figure out what it is. And I really hope the next coach is an X's and O's coach uh, with a real tough uh, idea on defense and, you know, knows how to move the ball and keep uh, motion going. But uh, I don't know who that is. Yeah, you know, I think fair points, and and uh, I'll, I'll sort of jump on the, the the vacuum is a really really scary thing in the NBA. Um, I think things can go south fast, and um, it was a bold move to do this. You know, I think for for people who wanted big changes in the uh, in the off season, uh, even if nothing else happens, firing your championship head coach is a massive, massive change. Like you, you don't see a lot of coaches that have won a championship get fired ever. Like it's just not really a thing that happens. It's a very, very small list of coaches in the NBA that have won a championship. So it's always like uh, the Lakers when they fired. Um, what's his name? Uh, Vogel. Yeah, Vogel. And it's like, I get why they did it. They're like this mentality of like, we're a big market team. We're championship or bust. We have to make moves every five seconds. The fans aren't going to wait for this. I'm like, Raptor fans, calm down. The fact that we won a championship was rare. Very, very rare. We need to be very patient with this team moving forward. And I think we should just foster a community or a franchise of winning so we can actually... uh, when, when free agents see this, they're like, wait, maybe I do want to go and pay a little bit more in taxes to play with this team because you know what? It's a good run organization. And right now we don't like a good or good run organization with moves like that, at least from my perspective. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's really fair. Sorry, you got something, Matty? I just had a question for you guys on just to look at this from the other side, because like, let's think like Nick had two years left, right? On his deal. Mm-hmm. So, before the playoffs Sorry. started, he had that weird comment where he's got to think about his future in the summer while he's still under contract. Do you think there's a possibility that like he wanted to leave and like maybe Masai, he's trying to like <clears throat> make it look like uh, it's more on the side of the Raptors, but maybe it was a little bit more mutual. Like it just kind of sounds like Nick didn't really want to stay, and if he was going to stay, maybe he had some really big asks or something that were ridiculous. I'm not sure. It just kind of feel the way that the season ended with him feels like it didn't seem like he really wanted to go for another season. So I was just wondering. Yeah. And yeah. If that's the case, I would like to be a little bit more transparency from organization to be like, look, and we tried everything we could to retain him, but like, yeah. yeah, say that. And it, it if that is throwing him under the bus, I don't think it is. I think it's just being kind of honest about it. Mm. So I think, and I think Masai would do something like that. I think he would speak on that or at least have it a, some type of phrasing that made it seem like we we you know we wish him the best but we also wish him the best if he were here you know or even more mm-hmm. the best if he were here. yeah good point it, it was a strange move and like to to expand on uh what alan said about like oh you're not going to give him uh, a preseason with Pirtle. like that trades like we sent away next year's first round pick and it's like then it's like what like that seems very short-sighted to like get rid of your pick and then fire your coach and it's like it feels like you're entering a rebuild without a pick and it's like what's it's very confusing and very strange yeah and uh it's this the stars don't line up on that one maybe it was a case of like someone above Masai being like one of you gotta go you 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 went mm-hmm. you didn't go all in but you bought at the deadline and then lost in the first play-in game like it's got to be one of you, and maybe Masai said, "Okay, it's Nick, not me." But I don't know. It's it's 
we're in a weird limbo right now. Yeah. Uh, I think that's why every Raptors fan is a bit on edge about the whole situation. Yeah, Um, no, I I think that's a great point, Philippe. I feel like there's that. And then there's, you know, what, what sort of Alan was saying about like the, the, the lack of chill, right? Like I think the Raptor Raptors fans aren't you know, when we were winning, we're not used to winning. So then we won it all. And it was like, Holy shit. And then, you know, there's like, we're in that like down that like winning a championship. Like we're not the Lakers. We're not a glamor market. You know, if you think about like the Dallas Mavericks, when they won, they had this sort of like denouement of like, you know, the, the years post championship, right. They lost Tyson Chandler right away. And then like, you know, sort of one thing after the other, trying to stay relevant. And I, I mean, I, I sort of think part of part of the deal with uh, with Nick is that you know, and 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 him leaving now. And you know, I, I've said this before as well, but there was this relationship that was that's pretty familiar in, in, in a lot of front offices where the GM is like the boss of of the the head coach. And I think with Casey. Messiah was sort of like, you do like, I'm going to, I'm going to bring in these players and you do like, you do your thing, but also like do what I say. And I think that balance kind of was tilting where, where nurse was like, I don't care who you draft. I'm like, I'm playing who I want to play. Like, I'm not going to play precious just because you think he's good. So it was sort of, it was turning into this like power struggle because you know, Nurse was pretty openly. He would criticize the bench in a way that I think looked made Masai look bad for a couple years, right? So if you're constantly saying that the the guys that you've been given suck, uh, that's that's killing their trade value. It's really sort of like, you know, it's it's hurting productivity and and you know, and then back to your point, Philippe, about like this this weird spot we're in. Yeah, we have our pick this year, right? It's going to be like like somewhere in the teens. Um, and that, that should be an interesting addition to the team, but you know, getting a guy like Pirtle, you assume we're going to resign him. And then also that means we're trying to be good next year. So that means we want that pick to be like, like in the twenties. So that's a big, big ask of whatever new coach comes in. Cause it's not like you're going to ease into this. It's like, we have to be a good team. Yeah. They're like, this they're, pick is going to blow up in my face. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it's it's like they're not allowed to be average next year. They either need to like go all in and like have a good season, or I believe the pick is top six protected. It is. So yeah. it's oh, yeah. So it's like okay, if you're gonna suck next year, then really suck. Like suck, suck. So you get a top five pick. Like yeah. And like the the Raptors aren't allowed to uh, just be a play in team next year, which is a rough spot to put a coach in. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I've said this before too, but if you really, really suck, I think you start to flirt with uh, uh, a, a bit of a ticking time bomb with Scotty. Cause I, I don't think Scotty's going to roll like that. I, I don't think Scotty's going to be in a situation where he's one of the worst teams in the NBA. And he's like, it's okay. I like Toronto. I think he's going to be like, I'm from Florida. Like I barely, I barely know or care about Toronto. So <laughs> trade me to the heat now. Well, so, he, he, he doesn't have a family yet. So I think we we're okay. We can, we, can, we can hold them on until then. Then he's got kids. He's like, well, you know what? I'm going to want to raise them American. You know, I think that's. that's oh, the- God. Yeah. That, 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 the old Antonio Davis. Like, yeah. I, want, I want them to have American education, which we know is the best. Shout out to our Americans. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let's, uh, let, let's wrap this up. We're going to go a little bit over, but I think it's appropriate. Um, we are in Toronto and the Toronto Maple Leafs have. Uh, advanced uh, past the first round for the first time in 19 years. 
<laughs> and that I know this is not basketball, but that is absolutely newsworthy. Uh, this is fucking nuts. Um, <laughs> I, I was at my, my buddy Tom Henry's place, which uh, you all know. And I opened the window and started shouting uh, at people on College Street. So uh, I was pretty jacked. Um, three all-time <laughs> winners, good series. Um, and also, you know, from Raptors fans, we we beat Tampa Bay. So that's nice because that's one of the darkest times in Raptors yeah. history. Um, <laughs> me and Matt made a lot of jokes about Bush Gardens. <laughs> we, were, we were having fun. You know what I mean? Um, but... Uh, yeah, and if you're from Tampa Bay, um, fuck you. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But we hate yeah. everyone on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, okay, so here's my question. Let me start. Uh, let me start with you. Um, let me start with you, Maddie. Um, where were you? Uh, like, what were you doing uh, the last time the Leafs were in the second round of the NHL playoffs? Wow. Uh, well, I was just a few months into being 19, so I was re- having a real fun time watching these games in the bars, and I was finishing my first year of college, and I was trying to figure out what kind of job I was going to get for the sure. summer, and I ended up working about six or seven different jobs that year, I remember. Okay. The classic 19-year-old. Uh, yeah, I just... Yeah, I remember being <laughs> very newly adult at that time. And I remember being pretty used to the Pat Quinn years at that point. So I wasn't too I didn't see what was coming so much with the, the late the latter part of the uh, John Ferguson Jr. GM years and then Burke and everything else. It's uh pretty wild. It's been a wild nineteen years. It's been a a couple of uh tough uh, losses <laughs> couple, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just, uh, that's, that's what I was doing. You know, I was just a, I was just a kid in school and thought the Leafs were going to be in the playoffs every year. No big deal. So you're just a kid living in the lake shore, trying <laughs> yep. to find his way. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I mean, Hey man, I went to Humber Comedy too. It's a, it's a, it's a messed up place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I took you there. You know what I mean? Um, but no, shout out to the Lake Shore. Uh, <laughs> if you live there, um, you know, fuck you. Shout out Lake Shore. Uh, <laughs> I'm just um, okay. Uh, let's go to you. Uh, let's go to you, Alan. Um, do you remember like what what was going on with you? What what were you doing the last time the Leafs were in the second round of the playoffs? Oh, I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, <laughs> I did a uh, two-feature movie of iRobot, and I went to go see <laughs> Spider-Man 2. Took out my Sony Discman that had no skips, but it still skipped. And then my favorite album, uh, College Dropout, by an artist who unfortunately has passed away since then. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just in my first year of high school, I believe. Oh my and God. I was pretending that I don't like hockey anymore and I didn't give it too much attention because <laughs> I was focusing on the Raptors and trying to play basketball and that was it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's amazing. What a time capsule. Um, <laughs> shout out iRobot ahead of its time. Um, uh, give a big shout out to Lamont, Lamont Murray. I think that was part of the squad at the time. Like the Ray Ralston years. <laughs> wow. <According to> Google. <laughs> Uh, Ray for Austin skipped in my Lou. Um, 
That's amazing. Uh, Philippe, what, what were you doing? Where were you? What was going on? Yeah, uh, <laughs> actually, coincidentally enough, uh, earlier today, I wrote an article for Leaf Station on what the world looked like last time in 2004. Oh, nice. In the Leafs one. Uh, so it gave me some, I guess, research on uh, probably what I was doing around that time. I was, at the time, 13 years old, so I would have been in my last year of elementary school, just finishing grade eight. As a result, probably watched the game at my parents' place in Etobicoke. Um, still like relatively new to hockey. I did like my uncle got me into hockey, like around the age of like 11 or 12. So I'd only been following the team for a year or two at that point. And like, that's the last time the Leafs were like truly dominant. Like they would make the semifinals every year. So like, mm-hmm. I feel like when they lost, it was probably like, ah, we'll get them next year. And like, that's when that meant something like that wasn't <laughs> a joke. <laughs> yeah. That's something. Um, I probably saw Mean Girls earlier in the week because <laughs> based on my research, that movie was number one in the box office at the time. Uh, so Watching Mean Girls, playing Pokemon Gold, uh, <laughs> uh, wow. watching my team lose and thinking they'll be back. Oh, Some things never change. Shout out Pokemon. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm old. That's been... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We exposed Matt a little bit here. Finishing up um, college, trying to get a job. Yeah. What was I doing? Taxes. Um, I wasn't born yet. Um, I was in the womb and I'm not sure what was going on. Um, I am 19 years old. Um, no, I was, uh, I think it was in grade 10 or grade 11. Uh, I think probably grade 11. And, uh, I, I don't remember. I was just trying to look, I don't remember the, I think, did we beat the Sens? Is that who yeah, we in beat? The first round. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, like, you know, to, to what you guys are saying, like, I feel like that era, like we were in the playoffs. I'm just looking at, uh, uh, like NHL sort of, you know, uh, reference here. And, um, we were, yeah, we were in the playoffs for six years in a row. So I, I remember feeling that too, like we'll get them next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I remember a being at a house party and specifically that two on one where Jeremy Roenick scored to eliminate us. Oh God. Like it felt yeah. sort of like, it didn't feel like I remember that, like that goal happened and it was kind of like, wait, what that just happened. This yeah. is done. Um, and yeah, I had no idea that like it would be 19 years later that like we would even like entertain the idea of like having that type of competitive hockey. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, how old's Jeremy <laughs> Roenick? That, that's uh, how long has he been retired? You know what I mean? Oh, probably a decade a at this point. If yeah. Not more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause he, well, he wasn't young at that point either. Yeah. Like one thing I found uh, when I wrote that article day is uh, that year, Sidney Crosby was a rookie in the Quebec league. So he was a lo- rookie yeah. in the wow. junior league. You get drafted out of like, that's how long ago. So was. he was like, he's like, I think I like Ramuski. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. he was like 16 or 17 at the time. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, that's insane. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's let's wrap this baby up here. Um, let me just say that uh, the article I mentioned by Katie Heindel uh, is the NBA's parody chaos is no accident. It's on the Gaming Society. It's a great article. Check it out. Uh, and the Houston G League team is the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. So that was that was the team that Nick coached. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you both for doing the pod. This is a good one. Let me go to you first, Philippe. Uh, yeah, you, you just wrote this Leaf article, but uh, I believe you also watched the entire first <laughs> season of um, Young Sheldon. Uh, Young Sheldon, which which you didn't need to, and I, I was laughing so hard that you promised that. 
Because like it's I don't think it was anyone in your ear being like, promise all of Twitter that if the Leafs win, you'll watch young Sheldon. Or you like, I'm just gonna say something nuts. And then you said it and you're like, gotta do it. Yeah, basically so uh for years now, uh I feel like it's not just me, it's been a running bit of like if my team wins, I'll and it's usually some like crazy absurd thing. Like we've seen yeah. people be like, Oh, I'll like chug hot sauce or I'll eat like uh I'll yeah. eat like a Carolina Reaper pepper or something like that. Um and then this year I was like I, I, it made me laugh the idea of like doing really innocuous stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had one like early in the playoffs. It was like I, I don't like pumpkin pie, which is maybe my most controversial take. Uh, but I don't like pumpkin pie, so I was like, if the Leafs win, I'll eat a slice of pumpkin pie. And then they won that game, so I won. And then with this game, I was like, well, that works. Let me let me do something else. <laughs> so I was like, what's something very dumb uh, that I could challenge myself to? So I said, if the Leafs win this game. I'll watch the entire first season of Young Sheldon tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and then sure enough, they won. And uh, spoiler alert, Young Sheldon's first season is 22 episodes, which oh. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. thought it would be like six episodes, like most first seasons. Um, that's like, like that's wow. pretty torturous. Yeah, like it was that- eight, eight hours of, I think there was one joke that made me laugh the entire time. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna, yeah, how many laughs did you get off of that? That's yeah. messed up, man. Like, like next time, like eat, do the cinnamon challenge. Like, drink hot sauce. <laughs> uh, like, don't sentence yourself to nine hours of heinous TV. Um, but uh, I actually want to come back to you, Philip, uh, uh, Philippe, because I feel like just for the fun of it, um, I want you to think of something that you're going to do if we beat Florida. So Ooh. just think about it for a sec. We're going to come back. Okay. Uh, uh, and. If, if, if you don't stick to it, uh, people probably won't notice, but uh, I, I will. And I'll, I'll <laughs> say something about it. Um, Alan, what's going on? What do you want to plug? Um, uh, back to doing extremely mid stuff. So look for some content there. Uh, I think this summer I'm going to get one of those GoPros and do uh, little basketball videos, little, little uh first person basketball video. So I'm going to be posting a lot of stuff like that. Nice. Uh, just starting a new season of baking show. So look forward for a new uh, season coming like October ish, I guess uh, Halloween time. And um, I think something is coming in the summer. I think a uh, roast battle. So look out for that too, as well. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, pumped to see you. Um, I will be doing a uh, warm up for that again. So uh, we can chill. Um, but uh I think that's it for, for the pod. Uh, Maddie, good sir. Why don't you tell people uh, a little bit about us? Yeah, thanks for listening. If you like the segments we put up on YouTube, head over to the Rapcast and listen to the full episode on your favorite podcatcher or at raptorsrepublic.com or at dunkspodcast.com. That's our own personal website. And yeah, if you could, if you're interested, subscribe to the paywall. The writers at Raptors Republic really love the support, need it. So, yeah, it's six bucks a month, and you get a lot of in-depth Raptors writing, right? Um, And, yeah, that's pretty much it on my end. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Amazing. We'll see you in two weeks. Um, Yeah, subscribe, like, you know, help us out. Uh, And thank you for listening. Uh, Maddie. if you're done. Oh, wait, wait a second. Hold on. Philippe, uh, what are we doing? What are you doing if, uh, if the Leafs beat Florida? The Leafs beat Florida. So maybe it's because so much we were talking about young Sheldon. I still had it on my mind. Uh, but just to carry on that theme, because apparently young Sheldon's a good luck charm. If the Leafs beat Florida, I will write and post online 
a young Sheldon Speck script. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> good, good. So you can uh, look forward to reading that uh, hopefully in two weeks. I love how you gave yourself even more work. Because <laughs> um, a spec script is no joke. So yeah. shout out to you. Um, is it is the twist ending going to be you love young Sheldon? You're like, it's I don't want to get on that right. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is how I slowly reveal to people I really like it. Like, no. I don't know. Maybe we just watch it as a joke together. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe you guys like come over and we have a beer and we watch the show. I don't know. It's crazy. The Leafs win the Stanley Cup. Philippe's yeah. going to be like, guess what, everyone? I am young Sheldon. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, mean? I am Queen's young Sheldon. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, everyone. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, and um, yeah, keep enjoying the playoffs. And uh, Maddie, if you feel like we're done, we're good to go. Uh, please just give me those words I love so much. Okay. Okay. Listen to full episodes of the Confederacy of Dunks only on the Rapcast.